that we want to really um, narrow the gap between um, ordering and receiving your goods. At the moment, you know, it's a few days lead time to get into Sydney and Melbourne. We want to reduce that to next day. That's our goal. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. The summer series continues on Deep in the Weeds, and today we're catching up with a chef that completely changed his career and affected so many people as well. We've had him on the show before, Paul Baker. How are you, mate? I'm really well, Huck. How are you? I'm good. What's what's going on? You've uh, you've created a business that's just taken off since COVID with Chefs on Wheels. What, what are you up to? Um, yeah, well, Chefs on Wheels are still going. We're now in, what are we in now, five states? So the Eastern Seaboard, so Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, Canberra, and obviously still Adelaide. Um, you know, keeping with what we did at the start, we're always trying to keep diversifying. So we've got, you know, a junior range. So the junior um, Chefs on Wheels is in all the foodlands here in South Australia. We've got a distributor in Queensland for that. We've got a lot of private label manufacturing. Uh, what else are we doing now? We've got a little Mac Shack, which we do for all the festivals here in Adelaide. So, you know, we're not standing still. <laughs> what sort of impact has that big change, you know, from restaurants to this had on you? Um, well, it gives me a lot more time. So we don't work weekends or nights. So, you know, you get a bit itchy on the weekend. If you, know, you see a festival, we probably should go and do something there. Or, um, But it gives you a bit more time to think, you know, this time of year, probably not so much. But in general, we've got a lot more time to think and plan what we want to do. And, you know, it's not so hectic and crazy, and which is, you know, chef restaurant life can be. Yeah, it's um, it's summer at the moment. It's pretty warm. Do you have any sort of summer food stories or ingredients that you sort of like to use in summer? Oh, we like to, you know, I like to obviously like most people get the barbecue. The weather gets dragged back out. You know, somewhere around the end of October, early November gets washed off and ready to go again. So we've been cranking the weather and you know grilling some beautiful sa calamari and prawns and. Um, get a leg of lamb on a Sunday afternoon while we're mowing the lawns. You know, that's a, you know, that Aussie backyard sort of vibe going on at the moment. Just Adelaide goes from freezing cold to hot. So the minute you get that first little break, the web is out. We're mowing the lawns. We're hanging out in the back, drinking some cold beers, and, you know, we're, we're back into it. Do you have any tips on calamari on the barbecue? And it can be quite tricky. What's what's your approach? It's just, you just got to be quick and fast, get that barbecue really hot, especially if you've got, I think most people have got one of those Weber Qs. So it's cranking it right up, you know, pre-oil the, the calamari. You know, just a bit of olive oil, a bit of lemon, lemon zest, parsley, garlic, and then just flash it straight on there. Quick bit of colour, get it off. Um, that's all it needs. You mentioned how hot it is in uh, South Australia and Adelaide during summer. What, what do you love about summer? Do you have any sort of fond memories you can share with us? Um, well, I grew up in Sydney. So um, summer memories for me as a kid were those hot days and then just the big thunderstorm rolling in at night. And as a kid laying in bed, you know, it's humid and sticky. Here in Adelaide, it's just dry. So, you know, um, it's very, very different. It's like being in an oven here for three or four months of the year. Um, but, I mean, as a kid, it was, you know, uh, my fondest memories are a kid in summer. We used to spend a, a full month at Bulleye Beach on the um, south coast of um, New South Wales. And like, so our, our family would take turns of looking after us, but mostly it was our grandparents. We'd have a, a month block as kids up until about 15 of just in a caravan park, in the caravan with grandma and grandpa, and we literally fished, swam, ate like kings every single day for a month. It was the best. Mm. 
you've uh, you're pretty well travelled and cooked all over the place as well. Do you have any sort of travel food stories that have impacted you and your approach to food? Well, I think the first one that stood out for me was um, it was probably 2008. Um, Annabelle, my wife, and I we were. Um, young and we were travelling through Europe. It's my first time to Europe and I got a job um, building a super yacht um, in La Spezia, which is in northern Italy. Yeah, it's random. This is just before the GFC hit. And we were building a boat for a Russian oligarch back when that was actually kosher. Um, <laughs> and and then we were building a, um, a yacht um, and I had to stay in an Airbnb. And this Airbnb had this little place under it called Mojito. So we're in, in Italy in the middle of nowhere, um, place called Larici, beautiful. It's like picturesque. It's it's start of spring. There's no tourists around, so no one speaks English. My Italian's semi okay, and so every night we got given, we got told to go downstairs to have dinner, and it was all in the house, all part of the package, etc. And I'm like, I'm in Italy. What's this place called? Mojitos. Like mojitos got nothing to do with Italy, and Italy's got nothing to do with the mojito. But I like mojitos, so I was like, yeah, what's the worst that could happen? So this place is closed every time I go past five thirty. Um, it opens up, and, I, and I'm the only one there. You know, the Aussie guy turning up for dinner at 5:30. I'm, I'm learning lessons here, and and I'm chatting away with my broken Italian. And he's like, "I'll oh, come back at nine o'clock," and I'm, dude, I'm stuffy. It's like I need some food, so you know, I wander down, get some um, Taleggio, and, and bide my time. So nine o'clock comes around, and he actually opens up properly, and it's just him. And he's this amazing cook, and he cooks everything himself, serves all the drinks himself, and dinner goes until about 2 a.m. And I and I learned right there and then that you know you have, if you're going to go to Europe you got to eat late and you've got to not be in a rush. I was just this Aussie dude from you know from Sydney wanting to like get my meal and just be on my way. You know I was all of about 25 and it was one of the best Italian meals I've ever had. This guy worked in some Michelin restaurants, but he all he wanted was his own place and he was doing his own thing, uh, making all his own pasta, his own bread. Um, it was just great. And you just, you know, just relax and take it all in was one thing I learned. And which, you know, to this day, you know, I really keep that place in my heart. Just that whenever thing gets a bit, you know, flustered and rushed, like just sit back and just let it happen. You've sort of travelled all over the place, all around the globe. Is there, is there any other sort of stories that really stick out for you in regards to food cultures of the world? Well, one we, um, which took me by surprise, the first time I went to Bali was about 10 years ago. And I found it really, really eye-opening because I'd been to Thailand and a few other places and, you know, there's quite a big food culture. We, and I found Bali to not be that. And I've got a few mates that live there and because Australians have gone over there and, you know, the, and set up restaurants, everyone seems to go to the restaurants and not so much the warongs and, and trying to get immersed in it like you would in Thailand, I found very difficult. But then my mate took me down to Jimbran, which is all the seafood cooked over coconut husks. So you get there, you're probably a kilometre or two from Jimbran Beach, and all you can smell and see is this thick blanket of smoke. Um, but I think that stood out as one of the best meals I've, I've had. Um, just beautiful local seafood cooked over coconut husks with little sand bowls and dips and stuff. It was fantastic. And I wish I'd discovered that on the first night, because that would have set me up for a far better, far better trip. Your travels that you've had all around the world, has, has that helped you sort of with the, the menu creation and the different cuisines that you do with Chefs on Wheels? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, I've worked in the Maldives. I've worked obviously in, in Europe. And just having, you know, that Asia, European um, really helps you just be able to think of the cup. I think throughout my whole career, I really tried to know it, a lot about other cuisines. So, you know, you don't get 
caught out? You know, can I get and you know such and such on the fly? Having worked in a lot of resorts, people um, you know want different cuisine outside of the basic you know Franglish or whatever style that I was I. I, I learned in Sydney in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, so it was up to you to broaden your knowledge. And, you know, I just got immersed in it as I travelled. You know, a bit of that Rick Stein type attitude where, you know, the little notebook comes out and, you you know, you're studying everything, writing everything down and just absorbing it. And I think, you know, now, like, you know, we have you know, Indian curries, Thai curries. Um, we cover every, you know, every sort of um, part of the world on our menu. Um, and, you know, you want to do it with some form of authenticity rather than just being that Sherwood's version of um, of um, every Asian cuisine you can think of. Well, what's your sort of favourite thing going on in food in Australia at the moment? And what do you want to see sort of more of as a sort of uh, over the next sort of year or two? Well, at the moment, I'm seeing a lot of people transition to that home cooked. Like everyone eats out a little bit more and everyone's, you know, just, I think sometimes people are looking for that little bit of a homely cooked meal, but done well. Like we find something like beef stroganoff is literally walks out the door. Like we put a slight spin on it with corned beef and, you know, we put little um, brine pickles and stuff through it at the end just to, you know, with a bit of that salinity. But our biggest sellers are comfort meals. And we, you know, we sell to um, you know, professionals that are busy and they, it's just coming back to something that just gives you a taste of home and or something that just, when you sit down, you just go, I just want to relax. When I have something nice to eat, that's not the hustle and bustle of a restaurant or a bar. Or You've built the most extraordinary business out of challenging circumstances. What's the plan for the next sort of year or two for you? Well, we're still expanding. We're, um, we're looking in, in the new year to get some um, DCs, some distribution centres set up interstate. We want to really um, narrow the gap between um, ordering and receiving your goods at the moment, you know, it's a few days lead time to get into Sydney and Melbourne. We want to reduce that to next day. That's our goal. Um, obviously, everything pushes more and more towards faster, quicker now. Everyone wants everything now. So that's where we're we're driving the business in the new year. Um, we're getting we're doing a lot of activations. So we did the good food and wine shows. We did a little pop up restaurant. Uh, we'll be doing more of that in the new year. Really getting you know on the ground with our customers because we've built up such a loyal following. And we almost know everyone by name, which is you might think is um, almost impossible with the you know the, the almost thousand or so orders we get a week. But we get to know everyone as family, and more of these on the ground meeting the customers and stuff is something we really want to push forward and really sort of strengthening our community, and which would be a lot of fun. But it's more so narrowing that gap between our lead times is really where we're going to be driving next year. What are you looking forward to over the sort of next year or two for yourself uh, personally after building this amazing business and changing your work environment, giving you more balance? What What's it given you time for? Um, well, it's given me more time. I think we spoke about this before, more time to obviously look after myself, like going to the gym, eating well, which is something I really want to double down on next year. Um, and you know, spending time with my daughter and my wife, it just... I want to get a little bit more time at home, which would be, um, and I, I want to get back to traveling. I haven't done, I've, to be honest, I haven't been out of the country since COVID. So I've, we've been really knuckled down getting this all right, systems in place, but I want to get traveling again. I'm, I'm ready to go. I want to add some more stories to that list. It's just every time we have something, every time we do organize something, something else comes up, whether it's a private label manufacturing or whatever it might be, the supermarkets keeps derailing me. So I want to get back on that plane. I want to get out of here. Well, Paul, it's been far too long, but it's great to catch up with you. We should do it again real soon. Um, please keep in touch and we'll, we'll do just that. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for your time. 
This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.